Welcome back to Scriptures with Mom and Terry. I'm the mom, Linda Weiniger, and I just have to say that you are doing better than you think you are. Why do I say these things? Because the adversary is so sneaky and gets those fiery darts into us, making us think that we're not doing a good job with our scriptures or with our family or with whatever. You just being here means that you are trying, that you are putting forth effort and that is good enough. And it's better than good enough. It's amazing, right? And when you're done with this uh, recording, you are going to be done with Doctrine and Covenants sections 68 to 70. And that is progress, right? That's all we need. We just need progress. So we're going to get into it. And I wanted to let you know that this time I'm going into it by not previously listening to any podcasts about this section at all. And so these are just going to be original thoughts from mom. And I mean, on the one hand, that's really good because it's just my own thoughts. On the other hand, it's sad because I didn't do my research. And so we'll see what happens. Um, But I didn't want it to hold me back because I am wanting to be sure that I do things on time. And I didn't want it to hold me back just because I hadn't listened to all this stuff. So here, oh, and we're coming to you live from Hobie's house because Hobie is over here and we had to come and check on him because he is here at Ma's house and Ma is in the Dominican Republic. So we are here checking on him, making sure he has food, making sure his dishes are washed, making sure he's doing okay, spending some time. But you know what's kind of sad is that I asked him, I'm like, so what plans do you have today? Which, by the way, I had to ask him like 30 times because he couldn't hear me even though I was yelling. And poor guy, he was like, I don't have any plans. I'm like, what about, did you want to watch a movie? He's like, no, I get bored and watching a movie. I'm like, I don't know that you're doing anything else that's productive. (laughs) So I was just like, oh, well, I guess poor Hobie. And he spends a lot of time in the bathroom, which is kind of sad. And so I was just getting this feeling that he's probably not going to be with us much longer because he is a, if you know Hobie at all, and hopefully you do because he's an awesome human being, um, he's a doer. He has always done so much. Like he would always have his home so organized and so on top of things. Everything was always spotless and he had projects like crazy. If anybody has passion projects, it's Hobie. And would have like some really cute labels like he is ultra organized has like he's the ultimate organizer like finds a spot for something and keeps it makes that its permanent spot puts a label draws what it looks like it's like super meticulous and he's just that's what he does but you know what he just came out and saw me and just went on his little you know, the little hand cart thing. What is that thing? I don't know. Scooter? Stu- stool? thing. I don't know what it's called. It, brain freeze. And, or, or brain fart, whatever it's called. And so he just came out here now, like 
has had to go back to the bathroom. And that was literally just 10 minutes ago. He was already in the bathroom. So that's all he does. He goes to the bathroom. He doesn't watch TV. He doesn't do anything. And it's really sad. So I don't think he's going to be with us much longer, which is also really sad. But I can't even have a conversation with him because he can't hear me, even though I bet he could tell me some things. So I'm going to try and figure out something that we can do for him um, all together as a family, you know, like hanging out here. Cause I mean, if we're just going to watch TV all day, we may as well do it with Hobie, right? He's not doing anything. At least we could be in his presence and that would be better than not doing that. But sometimes I get all caught up just being in our home and with all the requirements that that entails that I forget that I could just come here and do the same thing. So Anyway, we're going to get into Doctrine and Covenants, section 68. Also, my eyes are getting worse. Okay, revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet at Hiram, Ohio, November 1st, 1831, in response to prayer that the mind of the Lord be made known concerning Orson Hyde, Luke S. Johnson, Lyman E. Johnson, and William E. McClellan. Although part of this revelation was directed toward these four men, much of the content pertains to the whole church. Okay, hello, if they published it as like a book... That means much of the content is for the whole church. Like all, much, not just of this revelation, <laughs> but like all of it. You can always apply anything, any revelation the Lord has given to our own lives. Now, you have to make sure that you also realize how it was being given so that you're not super hard on yourself. If, you know, because for example, there's definitely a lot of contradictions. Certain people were required to give up their stores or give up their homes and then certain people were not required to do that right and so it just you have to make sure that you are praying and getting the revelation that you need for your own family uh because those are those those are those few things that really did just pertain to the people that they were being made to uh that the revelation was given to because of their specific situation but we could definitely always take from those experiences and learn for ourselves what we need to learn from that and i think that's what the lord wants us to do because that's how we like in scriptures unto ourselves this okay uh, continuing this revelation was expanded under joseph smith's direction when it was published in 1835 edition of the doctrine and covenants okay one to five the words of the elders when moved upon by the holy ghost are scripture Booyah. 6 to 12 elders are to preach and baptize and signs will follow true believers. 13 to 24 the firstborn among the sons of Aaron may serve as the, the bishop as the presiding bishop that is hold the keys of presidency as the bishop under the direction of the first presidency. 25 to 28 parents are commanded to teach the gospel to their children. 29 to 35 the saints are to observe the sabbath, labor diligently and pray. Okay. Number one, here we go. My servant Orson Hyde was called by his ordination to proclaim the everlasting gospel by the spirit of the living God from people to people and from land to land in the congregations of the wicked in their synagogues, reasoning with and expounding all scripture unto them, scriptures unto them. And behold, and lo, this is an ensample unto all those who were ordained unto this priesthood, whose mission is appointed unto them to go forth and this is the ensample unto them that they shall speak as they are moved upon by the holy ghost 
Okay, so when we are moved upon by the Holy Ghost, we speak. And whatsoever they shall speak when moved upon by the Holy Ghost shall be scripture, shall be the will of the Lord, shall be the mind of the Lord, shall be the word of the Lord, shall be the voice of the Lord, and the power of God unto salvation. Behold, this is the promise of the Lord unto you, O ye my servants. Okay, so I love this because sometimes... I've caught myself thinking, I didn't read my scriptures today, but I was able to read conference talks or Enzyme articles from the First Presidency or I or listening to a BYU devotional by President Eyring and all these things that I try and listen to to infuse my spirit with remembering right because that's our job is to remember remember christ remember christ so when i listen to those things it helps me remember and so then like at the end of the day i'll be like i did not even open my scriptures right but that's a lie that is a lie that satan is trying to tell us because here in these scriptures it says that whatever words come from the mouth of his servants, the prophets, it is scripture. And it's so validating because we know that the Lord has called his servants to this time because they are going to give revelation pertinent to our time that is relevant to the things that are going on in our lives right now. And so if you are listening to conference, if you are listening to BYU devotionals, if you are listening to those things, you are listening to scripture and that's it. That's what it is. That's what he's saying right here. Okay. And now if you have a goal that you want to read from the book of Mormon every day and you don't, that's different, but don't make, don't make, um, generalities like I didn't read scriptures today. Cause you did, right. You did read your scriptures today. You were, immersed in the word of God. And that counts. That totally counts. And I love that because you can sprinkle those things around your day. And then eventually, like as you have sprinkled those things around your day, then your day gets so much better. And you can actually feel the presence of the Holy Ghost so much better throughout your day as you do sprinkle your day with those uplifting words and messages from prophets and apostles. So it's amazing. It's amazing because he says right there, and the power of God unto salvation, we will feel that power of God. And it's perfect because that's what we want to feel every day and every minute. But also, if you don't read the Book of Mormon every day, make that a goal <laughs> because we have been promised that reading from the Book of Mormon, from the pages of the Book of Mormon, digital or physical, okay, will bless our lives. We have, we have been promised so many, so many blessings. So we could add that as a goal and that could change our lives. Okay. If we don't already have that. Okay. Number six, wherefore be of good cheer and do not fear for I, the Lord am with you and will stand by you. And ye shall bear record of me, even Jesus Christ, that I am the son of the living God that I was, that I am, and that I am to come, right? Because when we listen to those messages and those words, we are able to testify 
of Jesus Christ. We are able to bear record of that. And we are able to uh, bring more people to Christ and just by our example and because we're thinking about those things. Um, number seven, this is the word of the Lord unto you, my servant Orson Hyde, right? So I guess if you wanted to be like, oh, he's not talking to me, he's talking to Orson Hyde, I guess you could omit yourself from thinking that that was for you. But how much more blessed would we be if we were to apply those messages to to our lives? So much better. Um, so this is the word of the Lord unto you, my servant Orson Hyde, and also unto you, my servant Orson Hyde, and also unto my servant Luke Johnson, and unto my servant Lyman Johnson, and unto my servant William E. McClellan, and unto all the faithful elders of my church and women, okay, and Relief Society sisters. Go ye, and maybe he's not talking about elders like elders, elders, but he's talking about elders like older people, because that could be too true too. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature acting in the authority which I have given you, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And he, and oh, and remember, the damned doesn't mean straight up going to hell. It just means they're going to be stopped. Their progression is stopped. So remember that because we don't want to be like, you're going to be damned to other people who don't get baptized, right? They're just, it's just that their progression is going to be stopped. And so we just need to not necessarily approach it like hurry and get baptized, but try and understand that and try and help them understand that their progress, their their progression could be furthered if they were to get baptized. For example, um, I was talking to Skye yesterday. She got back from her mission like uh, three weeks ago and I was a slacker and hadn't gone to her, any of her welcome homes. But she was telling me about a few of the members or a few of the people that she was teaching who were so excited to read the Book of Mormon, to get baptized and get the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they chose not to get baptized. They had different things that were stopping them from getting baptized. They were damned, right? They were stopped. They were stopped up because of somebody didn't want to stop, um, smoking. Somebody thought that their drinking was a thing, or somebody thought that their anxiety would levels would go crazy and so they just they they have this thing where they don't want to be in public and anyway so so they have these reservations that are manifesting themselves when it comes time to get baptized and it's I mean you don't want to tell people hey that's Satan trying to tell you something but that's what you know like as the person that's trying to teach them as the minister or missionary you know what it is that's getting in their way how do you approach them and let them know that that's what you see is happening in their life and that they could actually progress more if they were to get baptized like i know i've heard of several stories of where people who have a challenge or an addiction and they can't kick it until they get baptized because they got the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost was able to help them further progress in overcoming that addiction, right? So 
that's what's hard because you don't want to just tell people, well, you don't have to stop doing your, you don't have to stop, you don't have to actually stop smoking to join the church, right? You can still come to church and still smoke. That's not really what you want to tell people either. You, But you do want to tell them like, listen, I know that you need a lot of help with overcoming this addiction. And if you really want to overcome it and and these people have read the Book of Mormon cover to cover. And you're just like, you've read the whole Book of Mormon. It's hard enough to get the members of our congregations to read the Book of Mormon. It's like pulling teeth trying to get them to even read a scripture per day, right? So the fact that they have read the Book of Mormon, they are they know what they what they could do to continue to progress, but they keep themselves stopped up. They are damned because they are afraid of something or something is holding them back. And I don't, I wouldn't even know what to tell them because I've not, I mean, I guess I, I have had that experience, but it's hard because you, you can't make people right. And, and you don't want to tell them, you don't want to tell them what I just said, like, you don't want to tell them like, Hey, well, I know you didn't stop smoking, but it's fine. Let's baptize you. Cause I, I bet that after you get baptized, you'll be able to kick this habit that you've been trying to overcome because the Lord will help you even more because now you're baptized because <laughs> you'll have the Holy ghost. But like, as if the Lord couldn't help them before. Right. I think it goes back to somehow being called to the work and because you have now I'm still trying to figure out how to articulate this because you have served or because you have been called or because you've been set apart you somehow get this extra surge of abilities right or blessings. Okay, maybe I can explain it like this. So the sister just gave a talk on Sunday who just got back from their mission, her and her husband, and she said that because she was a set-apart missionary that had been called from the Lord, that she was able to do these things that were hard. Now, I I believe that there is a level of additional strength that comes when you get official calls from the Lord because I felt it as a Relief Society president and as a young woman's president. But just because we don't get an official call to be a missionary doesn't mean we are not capable of tapping into those same or similar powers to help us with our assignments or callings as ministers. If that makes any sense at all. (laughs) Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it only makes sense in my mind. But I think, I personally think that there's a little bit of, I can't do that because I'm not a missionary for real. And so I'm not going to do that because I can't. So we almost kind of use it as a crutch that like we didn't 
get called as a missionary so we can't preach. But then when we get called, we're like, well, now we have that ability because the Lord officially called me. Well, I almost feel like the Lord doesn't have to officially call us to be able to preach. He's officially called us in so many scriptures um, to open our mouths and preach and preach and preach and preach. But then there's those people, and I'm included, who need that additional official calling of some sort to serve because then they are validated in their efforts or they are uh, justified in knocking on people's doors that you don't even know because you're like, I don't even know this person, but I was called to be a relief society president, so I am here and I'm going to do this. And the Lord is obligated to help me because he called me to this. And so you almost have like this other relationship because, or this other trust beyond what, what you originally had because he called you. And I wonder if we're doing ourselves a disservice by using official callings as crutches or enabling uh, powers when we've already been given those blessings without actual callings or assignments made. Does that make sense? It does to me. So my question is, do are you the kind of person that is waiting for a calling before you can actually do something? Or are you the kind of person who takes initiative and just does those things that the spirit tells you to do because the spirit told you to do it and not because you got a specific calling to do it. That's something I got to work on too. So this was good. This was a good little section. Okay. Now we're on number nine. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Oh, we were going on to on the baptizing. Yeah, so so do and also are you the type of person that thinks that you need the Holy Ghost to help you further your progress and help you overcome certain things? Or are you the person who needs to wait to overcome things before you can make a commitment to overcome things? And then get help to just stay perfect. Because the Holy Ghost isn't something that we get to stay perfect. The Holy Ghost is something that helps us, that helps to perfect us. So if I'm a missionary and if my friend needs help, overcoming something but they already have a testimony of Jesus Christ and of the Book of Mormon and of Joseph Smith and they are just waiting till they're perfect to get baptized then they're never going to get baptized (laughs) and they're just going to be stopped they're going to be damned just like what we just said and what the Lord just said and he, number nine, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, right? We're going to be saved from our weaknesses, right? What are we going to be saved from? The adversary, our weaknesses, our shortcomings, 
our imperfections, our torture, our human bodies, right? Because they're not perfect. And we have limitations from our limitations. And he that believeth not shall be damned. So I feel like I need to figure out how to convince people (laughs) that the Holy Ghost is going to help them overcome their addictions, their problems, their weaknesses, whatever. And they don't actually have to wait till they're, they've overcome those. They just have to have a desire to overcome them because if they've already read the book of Mormon and they already have a testimony of all those things, then that is their next step. That next step is just getting baptized to get the whole gift of the Holy ghost. And they're going to be cleansed from all of those sins. And then they can continue to work on their weaknesses with the Holy Ghost and with the Lord, and they will be strengthened. I know that the Holy Ghost strengthens us to do those things that we can't do on our own. And if they fall, well, they're going to come back up. They're going to get back up later, you know, and it's okay. Maybe we stress too much the fact that all your sins are going to be washed away, that you almost want to wash away all your sins so that when you get baptized, you have no more sin. And then you literally are somehow perfect the rest of the time. We need to figure that out. We need to figure out like, what is, what about baptism makes it seem so unattainable because you want to stay perfect in your baptism? <laughs> like, I know I got baptized. I think that's why we get baptized when we're eight. Because otherwise, if we waited till we were like 16 or 20, the adversary would just be all over us and we'd never get baptized. At least when you're eight, you think you are good enough to get baptized and and you don't have sins to wash away at all because you were a child. And we're just so hard on ourselves. We The Lord looks upon us like we look at a child. He has so much more experience and he can remember everything and we can't remember anything. And we are just like little children over here. Not just like in that we need to be like little children, but we literally are little children to our heavenly father and to Jesus Christ. And of course, when we try and take steps to walk, we're going to fall. We're just learning. We've only been in this life for me, 41 years. Okay. You, Faust, seven years. Finn, 12 years. Flora, five months, maybe, almost, tomorrow. And And dad, 43 years, you know, just like not very long, if you really think about it. Like, I think of Hobie, he's been alive for 90 years. Do you think that if he had the same body that I had and he had his 90 years of experience that he would be making the same mistakes that he did back when he was 40? Nope. Of course not, because we have a whole new perspective. I mean, that's why you got old ladies that are sassy and can speak their mind and are not shy to serve and do things because cause they've been they've been where we are. They've been they've been where we are and we're listening to the adversary, but now they know better, right? Now we know and that we just need to ignore that guy. And 
and we can do more, right? Because when you know more, you can do more and you do it better. When you know more, you do better the things that you used to do, right? Like because of all the practice we've had. And that's what we always talk about. Okay. Number 10. And he that believeth shall be blessed with signs following, even as it is written. And unto you it shall be given to know the signs of the times and the signs of the coming of the Son of Man. And there are a lot of signs right now, let me tell you. And if, and of as many as the Father shall bear record to you shall be given power to seal them up unto eternal life. Amen. And now concerning the items in addition to the covenants and commandments, they are these. There remain hereafter in the due time of the Lord other bishops to be set apart unto the church to minister even according to the first. Wherefore, they shall be high priests who are worthy and they shall be appointed by the first presidency of the Melchizedek priesthood, except they be literal descendants of Aaron. Now, I don't know if that's still going on, but that would just require a bunch of people to know what people's family history is and maybe they do and maybe the current bishops that's what they are but I don't know that's not relevant to my salvation I'm not going to worry about whose bishop and whose line of authority needs to be um checked that's not like I'm going to stay in my business you know I have things that I need to improve besides getting myself into that mess but that's good that's the Lord is saying that this is what he's doing. He's keeping things organized. Number 16, and if they be literal descendants of Aaron, they have a legal right to the bishopric if they are the firstborn among the sons of Aaron. And you'd hope that these firstborn among the sons of Aaron would also behave like firstborn sons of Aaron who have priesthood responsibilities and duties, right? So I'm guessing the Lord's taking care of that and I don't need to worry about it. Number 17, for the firstborn holds the right of the presidency over the priesthood and the keys or authority of the same. No man has legal rights to this office to hold the keys of this priesthood except he be a literal descendant and the firstborn of Aaron. But as a high priest of the Melchizedek priesthood has authority to officiate in all the lesser offices, he may officiate in the office of bishop when he when no literal descendant of Aaron can be found provided he is called and set apart and ordained unto this power under the hands of the first presidency of the Melchizedek priesthood. And a literal descendant of Aaron also must be designated by this presidency and found worthy and anointed and ordained under the hands of the presidency. Otherwise, they are not legally authorized to officiate in their priesthood. But by virtue of the decree concerning their right of the priesthood descending from the father to the son, they may claim they may claim their anointing if at any time they can prove their lineage or do ascertain it by revelation from the Lord under the hands of the above named presidency. And again, no bishop or high priest who shall be set apart for this ministry shall be tried or condemned for any crime, save it be before the first presidency of the church. And inasmuch as he is found guilty before the, this presidency by testimony, they cannot be impeached. He shall be condemned. And if he repent, he shall be forgiven according to the covenants and commandments of the church. Okay. So it seems like to be a bishop or high priest, you need to have a specific lineage 
of ancestors that are linked directly to Aaron. Now, then it also says that if they're not, then they can still be appointed to office of a bishop. And so if you're like, I'm going to go look up if I'm a descendant of Aaron. Well, good luck. That's going to take a while. And <laughs> and if you want to be bishop that bad, and if you want to have, you know, that kind of responsibility, I guess, you know, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And the Lord will call you as a bishop if you really have that a pure heart and I'm guessing that none of the bishops that have ever been bishop in these latter days have ever actually uh sought it out and been like <laughs> hey here's my uh paper lineage going back to Aaron can I be the bishop nobody you know in fact if you ask the bishops these days at least some of the ones I know would if you wanted to take over their bishop responsibilities they'd probably just give it to you they'd be like sure like if you can get that approved by the stake press go for it (laughs) you know what I mean because it's such a hard job and so yeah like I I am guessing that they needed the Lord needed to answer this question for some people but that would have been rough Okay, we're on number 25 now. And again, inasmuch as parents have children in Zion or in any of her stakes, which are organized, that teach them not to understand the doctrine of repentance, faith in Christ, the Son of the living God, and by of baptism and the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands, when eight years old, the sin be upon the heads of the parents. Amen. Because we just went over why they need to do it when they're eight. Because by the time they're 20 or 16 or 14, they're not even going to want to get baptized because Satan's going to have a stronger hold on them. And sadly, you want to think good things of your children, like that they'd make good choices for themselves, you know, as they grow up. But, you know, as they grow up, they don't know what's good for them as much as their parents do like you know we're teaching them that the stove is hot and then we're teaching them that you can't cross the street when there's cars are going we know more than they do we know something they don't know and so since we know something they don't know they trust us and they listen to us and so it's important for us to establish the importance for them to have the holy ghost to get baptized when they are eight so that the the adversary can't convince them otherwise later there's so many, well, I mean, I guess maybe not so many. I mean, there are, but I only know of a handful. But one in particular was a neighbor who lived across the street. And she met with the missionaries. This was my friend. They were not active. But my friend, her little girl was seven and going to get um, baptized. And they decided to wait. And they were like, no, let's wait, you know. And so that, and, and the little girl was so excited to get baptized. And then find like, again, the missionaries met with her and she was like 12 or a young woman. And the missionaries said that she did want to get baptized, but that her parents were, wanted her to choose and decide later on in life if she was going to get baptized. Anyway, she wrote her testimony out during, I think, a young women's camp or something like that. And it was so sweet and so sincere and so amazing. And she showed it to missionaries and the missionaries were like, 
uh, I mean, uh, she showed it to the missionaries and she was like, this little girl is ready to get baptized. Please baptize her. And the missionaries were like, no, we don't really think that she is serious enough about the gospel to get baptized. And I was like, what? I was so disappointed in those missionaries. I don't know if those missionaries had something else going on. Obviously, they're 19. They don't know what's going on for real. And they're just going on the spirit. But, and I don't like telling people when they don't know what the spirit feels like. But (laughs) I don't think they were feeling the spirit right then. Because she needed to get baptized. She needed that, the gift of the Holy Ghost to help her with her life and with the choices she was making. Now, yeah, I'm going there. I'm going there. I'm telling you that she definitely needed the gift of the Holy Ghost because her family after that went through a really bad divorce. And just, she's just, I mean, I try to share some love with her, but I don't even know her right phone number anymore. I've been trying to keep in contact with her. It just doesn't happen because of so many, so many different things, right? And so I've lost kind of some track of her, but I am sad that she didn't get baptized because when you do get baptized, you also have your records in the church. And that's also a blessing because then people will look for you and people will find you and, you know, things like that. But I really wish she would have got the gift of the Holy Ghost to help her when she really needed it. And I'm sad that those missionaries didn't take the opportunity to do that. Yes, there might be missionaries that are a little bit baptism happy, if you will, and just baptize everybody. But what's wrong with having the Holy Ghost with you? You know, what is wrong with that? Like, I almost feel like everybody should just do that. Like, everybody should just be so excited to share the gift of the Holy Ghost that if they read the Book of Mormon, boom, get them baptized. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yes, the Holy Ghost is part of the Godhead. Yes, you need to respect and have that um, respect for the Holy Ghost. But also, it is a gift that is given. And we it's our choice to receive him every day in our lives, right? And letting giving someone that gift when they choose to have that gift... And denying that gift from them, that's not our job. That is not our job. She wanted to get baptized when she was eight. The missionaries didn't think she was ready. Then she wanted to get baptized when she was 12. The missionaries, again, didn't think she was ready. I mean, if this poor little girl wanted the the Holy Ghost, and I know that she will be blessed for her desire to want that gift. And that she won't be held accountable for those things. Because she desperately wanted... I mean, I'm putting the word desperate in there. Because obviously twice over. And she had the opportunity to get the Holy Ghost. And she wanted it twice. And... I'm sad that she didn't get that. But I know that she will not be judged... For that, but she will be judged on her heart and on her willingness to want to get baptized, but that her parents 
thought that they were doing a good job and telling her that she needed to wait until she could make a good choice for herself. Just because we're 18 does not mean we make good choices for ourselves. I mean, that's actually when I made the worst choices for myself, if you ask me. (laughs) So I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I wasn't made to wait. Because I've used the Holy Ghost so many times in my life. Especially, especially when I was 18 and I didn't know it. Because the Holy Ghost came with me to all the places that I was not supposed to be in. And was trying to help me see that it was not where where I could be my best self. Anyways, okay. Number 26. For this shall be a law unto the inhabitants of Zion or in any of her stakes which are organized. And their children shall be baptized for the remission of their sins when eight years old and receive the laying on of hands of the hands. And they shall also teach their children to pray and to walk uprightly before the Lord. And the inhabitants of Zion shall also observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And the inhabitants of Zion also shall remember that their labors, inasmuch as they are appointed to labor in all faithfulness for the idler, shall shall be had in remembrance before the Lord. Nor I the Lord, wait, now I the Lord am not well pleased with the inhabitants of Zion, for there are idlers among them, and their children are also growing up in wickedness. They also seek not earnestly the riches of eternity, but their eyes are full of greediness." Oh, man. The Lord knows us. And he knows our weaknesses and our traps and our downfall and, like, everything. And he's calling us out right there. These things ought not to be and must be done away from among them. Wherefore, let my servant Oliver Cowdery carry these sayings unto the land of Zion. These are the messages that are for us. Okay? These are the messages that are for us. And if you don't think they're for us... Well, maybe maybe you should read it again. <laughs> maybe you need to check check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? <laughs> Anyways, read it again and ask, does this apply to me? Because if it does not apply, I mean, I know that those things apply to me. If those don't apply to everybody, psh, I don't know what does. You know what I mean? These things ought not to be and must be done away from among them. Wherefore, let my servant... Oh, I already read that. Anyway, Oliver Cowdery carried these sayings unto the land of Zion. And a commandment I give unto them, that he that observeth not his prayers before the Lord in the season thereof, let him be had in remembrance before the judge of my people. 34. These sayings are true and faithful. Wherefore, transgress them not, neither take take therefrom. Number 35. Behold, I am Alpha and Omega, and I come quickly. Amen. Wow. Section 68 was really powerful, had a lot of good things in there. I I also noticed that there's another um, verse that I missed saying something about. It's number uh, 33, that a commandment I give unto them that he, them, that he that observeth not his prayers before the Lord in the season thereof, let him be had in remembrance before the judge of my people. I don't know, it kind of makes me think that we need to re- look at our prayers maybe 
because we need to observe our prayers, maybe observe them in a way that uh, would help us make them better. Like observe your prayer because I don't know if that's legit prayer or if that's just a prayer that you're offering because you have to check your box. So that's really good to think about. I don't know if that's essentially what that meant, but for me, that's what that means. And isn't that what the scriptures are all about, about applying them to your own life, applying them to your circumstances? Because every time you read the scriptures, the, the things that you get out of the scriptures are going to change based on what you're going through in your life. Okay, I'm going to try and read section 69 from this cozier spot, which might make things a little bit more difficult for me to stay awake, but it helps to muffle the sound. So it makes the sound better. Um, so yeah, we try, we'll try this. And if I'm able to stay awake, we can continue on to section 70 and then be done. Okay. Revelation given through Joseph Smith, the prophet at Hiram, Ohio, November 11th, 1831, the compilation of revelations intended for early publication had been passed upon at the special conference of November 1st to the 2nd. On November 3rd, the revelation herein appearing as section 133, later called the appendix, was added. Oliver Cowdery had pre previously been appointed to carry the manuscript of the compiled revelations and commandments in Independence, Missouri, for printing. He was also to take with him money that had been contributed for the building up of the Church of Missouri. This revelation instructs John Whitmer to accompany Oliver Cowdery and also directs Whitmer to travel and collect historical material in his calling as church historian and recorder. One to two, John Whitmer is to accompany Oliver Cowdery to Missouri. Three to eight, he is also to preach and to collect, record, and write historical data. Hearken, number one, hearken unto me, saith the Lord your God, for my servant Oliver Cowdery's sake. It is not wisdom in me that he should be entrusted with the commandments and the monies which he shall carry unto the land of Zion, except one go with him who will be true and faithful. Okay. Um, so it looks like Oliver Cowdery was to be entrusted with money and the commandments so he was taking a lot of valuable stuff um, but he didn't want him to go alone maybe Oliver Cowdery has some weaknesses of, that we might not know of but also the Lord loves sending people two and two by two and especially when there's something important that they're carrying two by two is also good for protection I mean remember back in the day when Joseph Smith would carry the plates and try and figure out where to put them and hide them and everything. It was very risky um, for for him to do that. And so he had to do that all by himself. But, well, and I know he had help too, but, but it's easier to protect those things that are important or sacred when we have two people. So that makes sense. And... So the Lord wanted to have two people. Wherefore, he says, I, the Lord, will that my servant John Whitmer should go with my servant Oliver Cowdery. 
number three, and also that he shall continue uh, in writing and making a history of all the important things which he shall observe and know concerning my church. And also that he received counsel and assistance from my servant Oliver Caldry and others, and also my servants who are abroad in the earth should send forth the accounts of their stewardships to the land of Zion. For the land of Zion shall be a seat and a place to receive and do all these things. Nevertheless, let my servant John Whitmer travel many times from place to place and from church to church that he may the more easily obtain knowledge. Preaching and expounding, writing, copying, selecting and obtaining all the things which shall be for the good of the church and for the rising generations that shall grow up on the land of Zion to possess it from generation to generation forever and ever. Amen. Okay, that's pretty cool. I like how... (sighs) It's funny, I always say I like... (laughs) I love the scriptures, okay? I like them. I'm always going to say that I like this part because I like all scriptures, right? (laughs) But let's see. Uh, This part here um, where he says that John Whitmer, he can go and travel from place to place, from church to church. I think that's awesome. Like how come like at some point in our growing up, it we thought it not beneficial to go from church to church right this was um and and maybe he's talking about just like ward to ward from members go to ward to from ward to ward i mean i remember doing that going from one ward to the next um, because I wanted to hang out with some friends or see them. Um, I remember this period of time where I didn't go to my own ward and I would ward hop, if you will, (laughs) with other friends. And it was just a way for us to see our other friends and then also see what other single peeps were at the other wards. Anyway, I think it's great if as long as you're going to church, you know, that's like what I think. Um, probably not for the best reason to find cute guys, but <laughs> hey, you know, whatever gets you to church. And then what keeps you there, just, you know, want to make sure that's the right reason. Um, no, but what I'm saying is, I remember, okay, growing up, I went to a Baptist private school and I loved learning the different things that they were teaching. Honestly, I didn't know (laughs) the difference between that and church. I just thought that like going to school, they taught you scriptures and you could say prayer. And when you went to church, you learned about scriptures and prayer. And so it just was a natural thing. Like as a child, I didn't, it didn't click that like my parents were paying extra money for me to go to a private Baptist school versus a public school because once I switched, that's when I could see the difference. <laughs> but the, the, the private Baptist school was so awesome. I remember learning so many scriptures and memorizing them. And I remember memorizing Psalms 23 or Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I still remember most of those scriptures, but I don't remember it all the way anymore. And it's pretty sad. Also, I remember a few songs that they taught me. um, And I loved, I mean, I felt 
great there when I was there. And so I'm thinking, okay, the way that, you know, mom here is interpreting this scripture is that John Whitmer is allowed to go from different churches to different churches that he can learn more from the other churches, but then put it together later um, and preach and write and do those things. But maybe he was just supposed to go from one ward to the next because it does then in number eight say that preaching and expounding, although you can preach and expound if, you know, I mean, I think back then they let them do that kind of stuff where you could come and preach if you knew something, some scriptures that other people maybe didn't know, or maybe they were trying to figure stuff out. And so anyway, I am, this is totally like gospel according to, to mom over here. But I think that when I think of it this way, it helps me because how come I can't go to a different church and learn um, how excited they are about specific scriptures or specific um, gospel principles? Because I think at the core, at the core of anyway, most religions that I would even, you know, go to, because of where I live, are based on Jesus Christ, and they love Jesus Christ. And I mean, I love talking about him and thinking about him. And so going to another church would be awesome. Now, granted, I need to take the sacrament, to partake of the sacrament, and I do not want to miss that. And I actually make it a point when we travel to either um, skip traveling on Sunday, or if we are traveling on Sunday, that we need to make time or make it a point to partake of the sacrament on that Sabbath day, because I need that renewal. Um, and so if I were to go to another church, it'd be great. I just would need to make sure that I was participating in partaking the sacrament in our ward or in a different ward, you know, um, because our church has, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has the authority to administer the sacrament um, to the congregation. And so that is what I would do. Um, And then after that, you know, if I don't have any meetings or whatever um, that I have responsibilities to, then I could go to any other church I wanted to because really they're just going to be talking about Jesus. And I love talking about Jesus, right? We talk of Christ, we preach of Christ. And that's that's what I think is awesome. And a lot of Christian, especially my Baptist brothers and sisters, they love Jesus and talk about Jesus. And it's awesome um, because... They, I think the way that they worship um, is different than the way that we're used to. And so it's very refreshing to me um, to see other people worship Christ in their own unique way. Um, and we could learn from them. So anyway, 
That's section 69. Section 70 has 18 verses. So here we go. Revelation given through Joseph Smith, the prophet at Hiram, Ohio, November 12th, 1831. The prophet's history states that four special conferences were held from the 1st to the 12th of November inclusive. Wow, that's a lot of conferences. <laughs> and you guys thought we had a lot of conference in the last oh by the way they just announced earlier this year that general conference is doing away with women's conference and priesthood conference so we're just gonna have the four blocks in the general conference so it'll just be like probably two on saturday and two on sunday unless they make another change so maybe this was like their four conferences like that. <laughs> in the last uh in the last of these assemblies the great importance of the revelations that would later be published as the book of commandments and then the doctrine and covenants was considered this revelation was given after the conference voted that the revelations were quote worth to the church the riches of the whole earth end quote. Joseph Smith history refers to the revelations as, quote, the foundation of the church in these last days and a benefit to the world, showing that the keys of the ministries of the kingdom of our Savior are again entrusted to man, end quote. Okay, so I have a thing about the word entrusted, <laughs> but it's not really relevant. So I'll have to tell you guys later. Um it has to do with infertility and stuff, but um, okay. Number one to five stewards are appointed to publish the revelations six to 13. Those who labor in spiritual things are worthy of their hire 14 to 18. The saints should be equal in temporal things. Hmm. I'm excited about this. Okay. I'm excited about all of them. <laughs> one behold and hearken. O ye inhabitants of Zion and all that, and all ye people of my church who are afar off and hear the word of the Lord, which I give unto my servant, Joseph Smith Jr., and also unto my servant, Martin Harris, and also unto my servant, Oliver Cowdery, and also to my servant, unto my servant, John Whitmer, and also unto my servant, Sidney Rigdon, and also unto my servant, William W. Phelps, by the way of commandment unto them. <laughs> that was awesome. Number two, for I give unto them a commandment, wherefore hearken and hear, for thus saith the Lord unto them, I, the Lord, have appointed them and ordained them to be stewards over the revelations and commandments which I have given unto them and which I shall hereafter give unto them. And an account of this stewardship will I require of them in the day of judgment. Wherefore I have appointed unto them, and this is their business, in the church of God to manage them and the concerns thereof, yea, the benefits, yea, the benefits thereof. Oh, wow. I love that so much because it's like we have a business and you guys know how much I love business. So it says that he's appointed unto them, um, that their stewardship is, that they will be over the revelations of the commandments and that's their business. That's their business. And we might have different business and it's our job to find out what it is. So number six, wherefore a commandment I give unto them that they should not give these things unto the church, neither unto the world. 
Mm. Nevertheless, inasmuch as they receive more than is needful for their necessities and their wants, it shall be given into my storehouse. And the benefits shall be consecrated unto the inhabitants of Zion and under their generations, inasmuch as they become heirs according to the laws of the kingdom. Behold, this is what the Lord requires of every man in his stewardship, even as I, the Lord, have appointed or shall hereafter appoint unto any man. And behold, none are exempt from this law who belong to the church of the living God. Yea, neither the bishop, neither the agent who keepeth the Lord's storehouse, neither he who is appointed in a stewardship over temporal things. He who is appointed to administer spiritual things, the same is worthy of his hire, even as those who are appointed to stewardship to administer in temporal things. Okay, I really love that. Um, and number 13 goes with it. Yea, even more abundantly, which abundance is multiplied unto them through the manifestations of the Spirit. Okay, so sometimes... We are called to administer over temporal things, and sometimes we are called to administer over spiritual things. And actually, I bet there are spirit, because I know for me, there are spiritual things that I am a steward over and temporal things that I'm a steward over. And so the Lord here, I think, is trying to tell us that if we are good stewards over the things that he has entrusted us with, then we will be blessed and multiplied abundantly through that, through those, the work that we do through our temporal things and through our spiritual things. Um, number 14 says, nevertheless, in your temporal things, you shall be equal and this not grudgingly. Otherwise, the abundance of the manifestations of the spirit shall be withheld. See, now that's awesome because it says, nevertheless, in your temporal things, you shall be equal. So sometimes when I'm doing temporal things, I definitely grudgingly do so, some of those things. And I can see that I'm not going to be blessed for that. And I also do some spiritual things, you know, grudgingly. And so I'm not going to get the blessings from doing that grudgingly either. And so we need to change our attitude so that when we are doing the work and putting forth effort in our temporal or spiritual things, we can be blessed and in abundance says right there in abundance um well it says otherwise the abundance of the manifestations of the spirit shall be withheld so obviously the opposite is that you will be that the abundance will not be withheld right so Number 15, now this commandment I give unto my servants for their benefit while they remain for a manifestation of my blessings upon their heads and for a reward of their diligence and for their security, for food and for raiment, for an inheritance for houses and for lands in whatsoever circumstances I, the Lord, shall place them and whithersoever I, the Lord, shall send them for they have been faithful over many things and have done well inasmuch as they have not sinned. Behold, but behold, I, the Lord, am merciful and will bless them and they shall enter into the joy of 
these things, even so, amen. So there's a quote, can't remember who it's from, of course, but says to not underestimate the value of doing temporal things well, because if anything is worth doing, it's worth doing well, right? Like I just think of certain things that I do, if I didn't do them to, I mean, to the best that I can do them, then later I'm going to be suffering. Like if I don't, if I put away my clothes halfway, oh, for example, okay, here's a good example. Um, if I don't fold some of my clothes and I just chuck it in the drawer, see, that's, that's putting away my clothes. But when it comes time to actually get dressed, are my clothes going to be wrinkled? Yes. So am I doing myself a favor? No. Could I have done it better? Also, yes. <laughs> and how long would that have taken? Yeah, it would have taken some more work for sure. But again, do not underestimate the the blessings or the power that can come when you do things well, right? When we do temporal things well, we are blessed. And and we're blessed in, you know, like you contributed towards doing this for yourself well in the end you're going to be thanking yourself it's almost like you gave yourself a blessing in advance without knowing it <laughs> anyways um but also your clothes is going to last longer you won't need to keep getting new clothes and just so many good ants that come from that right and that's just like a temporal example um a spiritual example would be reading our scriptures, you know, am I going to get the best out of it when I'm reading my scriptures in my bed when it's comfy? No, because I will fall asleep. And is that going to serve me well when I'm trying to fight the fiery darts of the adversary? Certainly not. I am totes going to get down. I'm going to get down and out so fast because it's going to be useless, the effort that I put in. Um, So... This is what the Lord is saying for me from this, these scriptures is what I get. Like if you do the temporal things well and spiritual things well, you will be blessed with abundance. And you know what? The folding the clothes, I'm going to be blessed in abundance of time because it's not going to take me forever to find my clothes. Hello. And because we all know it takes longer to find your clothes than to fold your clothes. Okay. And then it's also going to waste my time later. The time that you invest up front is always going to be less than the time that you are left with later to figure out what, like to make things right. So for example, like I said, with my scriptures, if I don't read them, they're not going to bless me. If I don't read them well, they're not going to bless me. They'll bless me a little bit. Obviously reading anything reading any scripture is going to be amazing, but the way you read them and your intention depends on how it's going to serve you later. And if I don't put forth that much effort later when that, when those fiery darts come, I'm going to be knocked out. And guess what I'm going to need to do? 
I'm going to need to do a lot more self-care then. And that is going to take a lot more effort, more time. And yeah, I'll just, I'll have to take that time because now that's where I'm at. But if I would have invested that time wisely at the beginning, because let's be honest, I read, I had that time blocked off and instead I chose to read in a not optimal place and fell asleep (laughs) and while taking a nap is great and reading scriptures is great taking a nap while reading your scriptures doesn't give you the exact benefit that you're looking for in your life so those are my examples for myself and this again this is what I'm learning Um, And I want you to figure out what these scriptures mean to you. It could mean the same thing (laughs) because we're related, right? It could mean the same thing because you might get sleepy reading scriptures too, because guess what? It could be something that's handed down and I apologize because that's the worst. But also you find unique ways to read your scriptures. Like I sometimes had to do some push-ups in the middle of scripture reading. I don't know if Nephi would have to do that ever, but (laughs) I like to think that that is a Nephi kind of thing to do, right? Um, Because how do you get large in stature with lots of (laughs) push-ups? Anyways, um, love you guys. We'll see you. We'll see you soon. Actually, you guys are with Aunt Tia Vanessa today. And so it's just Flora and I at home and dad is at work, but also was doing a little surprise birthday thing for a friend. That's pretty cool. We, you guys know we love birthdays and celebrate them. So, um, we'll be here again next week. All right. Love you. Bye.